Hi, welcome back. You're listening to episode two of Good Criminal, a nonfiction account of someone in your neighborhood. A story told in every rehab scattered throughout Pennsylvania, happening right now down the road from where you live. It started with a couple of pills off the books, started with pain, and now someone you love is out in a real bad spot. What would you do to save someone you love? Hey mom, so I figured texting would be the easiest way to say all this stuff. Felicity can't go to rehab, mostly because of the prices and availability, and also because she's terrified of our college finding out and her getting kicked out of grad school, a very possible outcome. Also, she would most likely have to quit her job and she can't afford to do that either. On top of financial reasons, she needs that stability in her life, a purpose to keep her drive up. So she's going to go through the detox at home and she needs me to be there. She didn't ask. I volunteered and she cried. She needs a place to do it because her boyfriend's grandma can't find out about it. So I told her she can use our place. I was up till three last night reading about it, how to help and get her clean safely. There's a lot of advice and success stories out there and with a ton of care, vitamins and rests, hot baths, heating pads and steady hydration and sports drinks, Imodium AD and Advil PM, she'll get through the worst of it. It takes four to five days to rid the body of the physical addiction, then it's all mental. She's terrified, but more than willing to go to NA meetings and counseling for the underlying causes that brought her to use in the first place. The lady from Senegal Behavioral Health called back and wants to set up a meeting to talk about how to get her health care or counseling without it. She's very nice and sounds eager to help. I'm not going to lie, I'm very scared too. I've cried like four times already thinking of how alone and scared she is. How scary of a situation this is in general. She's a good person. She's so strong and loving and warm. She used to say how much she hates that drug when someone close to her started using. She would say how horrible and dumb it all was. So the fact that she started using means she was in a dark place. I can't get her from that place but I can help her do it herself. She deserves someone fighting for her. Love you. I didn't know much about heroin, but I knew it was very dangerous and nearly impossible to put down. I knew that little towns up and down I-81 were flooding with the stuff. I knew accidental overdoses happened all the time. And now I knew my best friend was addicted. The rest of our conversations that day, she told me, revolved around detox and withdrawal and about how scared she was of the sickness. She had already tried to detox twice and she said it was so hellish she gave up. This time around, her plan had a bit more substance. She had a friend who I had met once, a cop who smoked weed with us and made an awkward feely pass at me. He said she could stay at his apartment for it 
because she couldn't do it at her current living situation. He wouldn't be there, and her boyfriend Liam wasn't going to stay for it either. She was going to go through the few days by herself, then go back to work. She took two or three days off and would hopefully be through the worst of it. We got to a small trailer park a few towns away. I stayed in the car alone and worried as she ran into someone's home, pounding minutes as I waited, wondering what the drug deal looked like, praying no one came up to my car. She came back out and we headed back home for her to get ready for work. Our conversation ended as I pulled up in front of that little house. I told her I loved her and that if she needed anything, I had my phone. It felt pathetic, like I was offering these useless words in the face of such a speechless situation. As I drove home, the tears started flowing. I cried hard for whatever drove her to start using and whatever terror she had in her heart at facing detoxing. I imagined her dying like the people you hear about on the news, alone in the woods somewhere, alone with a needle in their arm. The image froze my heart, and I couldn't get the idea of her dying out of my head, of her losing this fight she was going into alone. She didn't have anyone in her life that would come to her rescue. Her father was cold and distant, her mother very sick, her boyfriend ready to leave, her friends abandoning her, her family too wrapped up in their own ongoing dramas to even notice. She had a few estranged friends here and there, a handful of sellers and other users, and a worried younger brother still in high school. How could I look at my friend, someone who I knew had a warm heart, the best sense of humor, and loving drive to help others and let her face addiction alone? Someone who I often was floored with respect for after facing all that she had in the past and kept going. Someone who'd overcome more than I even ever had to come close to having to deal with in my cushy suburban life. I didn't want to be like the others in her life. And even though I was scared, I was starting to realize I wouldn't be sitting on the bench for this one. I just kept thinking she didn't have what I would in that situation. A support staff. I have a mom who would be online reading every single Google result on how to help someone detoxing, able and willing to hold my hair back and change my sheets. I have a dad who could afford a nice rehab treatment, even though his company's health insurance would have covered most of the cost anyway. I have three siblings who would visit, make meals, take times to be with me during it all. People who would hurt and cry and be dedicated to my recovery. That was what she needed, and it was what I was willing to be. All the websites and sources, from forums to blogs to medical sites, say not to try this at home. They said it won't work and rehabilitation is the only way. There were stories from moms and loved ones telling how they tried and failed. They explained each step of the detox process, the pain and the sickness she would go through, and the different person she would become once desperation set in. It did not instill confidence, but Felicity was set on trying at home, completely against going to rehab. She didn't want to get kicked out of grad school, couldn't afford to lose her job, and didn't want anyone around us finding out about it. I couldn't force her to go to rehab, 
and I wanted to be there for her in the ways that I could. So I started planning. After a day of online research, I discovered what was known as the Thomas's recipe. It was a tried and almost true method of getting clean at home, shared by other users online who had attempted it. Each site that shared Thomas's recipe advised against trying it. But if you absolutely had to, here's what could help. Thomas's recipe. 1. Benzodiazepines. I had a script for lorazepam. 2. Imodium AD because it worked on the opiate receptors in the brain. 3. As much weed as needed. 4. L-tyrosine 500 milligram capsules. 5. Multivitamins with at least 100% zinc, potassium, magnesium, phosphorus, and copper. 6. Vitamin 6B capsules. 7. Access to a jacuzzi, hot bath, or shower to aid with muscle aches and sleep. 8. Bananas. How to use. Vitamin and mineral supplements, preferably with food, right away. Start on a high, safe dose of lorazepam and taper down over the four days. Stop after five in one day, then switch to over-the-counter sleep aids. Take lots of baths. Use heating pads. This will help to alleviate the worst of the aches and pains. Use Imodium AD aggressively. At the end of day four, take the L-tyrosine. Start with about 2,000 milligrams and scale as needed without exceeding 4,000 milligrams. Take it with the B6 to help with absorption. Wait one hour before eating. Outside of Thomas's recipe, I found other possible routines. Nowhere said to mix the two, but once things got going, we ended up using both. Daily routine. Wake up early. Grapefruit juice and tagamet pills, 300 milligrams. Once a day vitamins, Canada Dry with 0.5 milligrams of Ativan. Smoke a bowl, take a long shower or bath, blast headphones and music in a dark room, watch movies and TV, mix of healthy and guilty pleasure foods, whatever she can keep down. I made a to-do list. One, clean basement, do laundry, clean fresh clothes, Two, get TV and sound setup. Three, go shopping. Water bottles, juice, sports drinks, soup. Fresh fruit, Ensure Shakes, Canada Dry, OTC meds, multivitamins, Benadryl, Imodium, L-tyrosine, vitamins B6, fresh sheets, notebook for journaling. Four, look up Kratom and Thomas recipes again. Five, look up drug interaction between all the meds. Six, look up more tips and tricks. Seven, look up enemas. And eight, look into tapering. The day before she came over, I had some very important errands to run. I went to Walmart and bought enough snack food, water bottles, and Gatorade to last us the week. I got her clean clothes to change into for when she sweat through her old ones. I got fresh sheets and blankets to change the bedding for when she would get sick. I went to the GNC to get all the vitamins and capsules the recipe called for. I went to the pharmacy to get my Ativan, went to a head shop to pick up Kratom, which is a barely legal ground leaf that tasted terrible but acted like opiates in the brain. I stood in the aisles of Walmart, picking out which journal I thought might be most calming for if she wanted to write. I knew at my darkest times I turned to writing, and I wanted her to have the same access to that coping skill. I felt very small standing there with two journals in my hand. Small and out of my mind. 
The gravity of what we were about to do started hitting me and I couldn't help the wretched tears from escaping. Frustrated with my own fear, I wiped my face impatiently. When I got home, I wrote out a plan of action, something I would eventually read to Felicity. Plan of action. We can both promise not to go anywhere. I don't have a place to be, so I'll be there the whole time. When you want me there, I'll smoke and watch TV. When you want me to be alone, I'll give you some space. I'll make sure you get your doses of medicines, vitamins, and such at the right times. I'll change the sheets daily, have fresh towels and clothes. I should pick you up or have Liam drop you off so you don't have access to a car for four days, just to remove the temptation. You're going to be depressed with a decrease of serotonin in the brain. Writing helps, painting, going on walks. Afterwards, we should have some hang time scheduled once or twice a week to check in for a cheer up or for someone to vent to. I'll work on finding you counseling for over the summer and possibly a new job with long-term goals. We can do this. Things to remember, hydration, sports drinks and juice and water, soups, ginger ale, rest, weed, fresh fruit and sure shakes, hot baths, heating pads, Hulu and Netflix, maybe even a walk, junk food if you can stomach it. We'll get through the thick of it, then start the battle with the mental addiction, and we'll get through that too. One thing I know that I did wrong was to completely ignore the resources available to us at the time. Instead of calling crisis helplines or hospitals, instead of listening to professional advice, I thought we could do it all on our own. I thought I could be an entire rehab for her, that I could be her nurse, therapist, and psychiatrist all at the same time. Felicity was terrified to lose her job and her academic status, but that stuff doesn't actually matter when it comes down to it. I should have said, fuck your job, fuck your school, and go get help. The thing was, I was afraid of what would happen to her. I didn't know anything about hospitalization, rehabilitation, or recovery. I didn't know that she wouldn't have gone into any legal trouble for going to the ER or a rehab. I let these anxieties get in the way of her getting real help. To end these episodes, I gathered some resources that offer real, free, immediate help. They will help you find a bed and available free treatment options. If you or a loved one needs a referral to a local treatment facility or information about support groups and community-based organizations, please call 1-800-662-HELP. They offer confidential, free, 24-hour-a-day, 365 days a year, information in English and Spanish for individuals facing mental or substance abuse disorders. That's 1-800-662-4357. There's also the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's a national network of local crisis centers that provide free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And that number is 1-800-273-8255 or TALK.